What a day. What do you think it looks like in the streets of, you live in Washington. Is it like, oh, um, oh, got you. Yeah. What a day. Is it like the scene in uh, the end of uh, Return of the Jedi when the Ewoks are celebrating? Um, that's Star Wars. That's the third Star Wars at the oh, end okay. when they spoiler yeah. alert when they <laughs> when they get Darth Vader and they bring down the statue and the Ewoks are like. Yeah, but we never erected a statue for Daniel Snyder, so there's nothing to tear down, and the stadium is way out in Landover, Maryland. So. Yeah. yeah, you didn't. You say so you don't get that moment of the uh, the Jerry Richardson statue being oh, lifted. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Um, all right, so we're gonna start with some basketball. After the playing game, are you more or less confident in the in the Lakers against the Grizzlies? All right, so I mean the Lakers played. The Warriors, not the Warriors, that would have been ugly. They played the Wolves the other <laughs> night. And I don't know, more or less confident. I wasn't very confident in them before. And I still hear people hmm. making the argument that the Lakers are going to make some run or they have a, a puncher's chance or they can do it because of LeBron and AD. I get it. Their defense has been great since they made the trade. But I st- when I watch the games, and this is such a cop-out, I understand. They don't seem good to me. <laughs> I watched that game where Gobert's out. Um, the, yeah. the other wall punching man is out. Cat is in foul trouble. So, yeah, who doesn't even play? Yeah, Jaden McDaniels. Cat doesn't even play much of the second half because he's in foul trouble. And the Lakers still made a miraculous pass and mm. a great shot from the corner to win. So. I don't believe in the Lakers. I haven't before. And I guess this makes me have less confidence in them making, I was going to say making a deep run, but getting past the Grizzlies. I mean, the Lakers had been playing really well for like, you know, a couple of months, but we are reacting to a single game and that single game was not pretty beyond the Lakers. It was like a disgusting basketball game, by the way. Um, And I think it that the, the just speaking about the the play in, it was so underwhelming for all the reasons you said, but also because I don't know I, I expected the Lakers to roll them yeah. with you know the diminished Wolves and for them to barely eke out a win was underwhelming, especially now going up against a team that yeah. I think everyone agrees is a better basketball team. And now that said, um, this is a diminished version of the Grizzlies. They don't have Steven Adams, you know, it's one of those things where if it was a one game, if this was the play in, I would be like, yeah, I can see the Lakers pulling it out. But over the course of a full series, I don't know. I I left out the fact that Anthony Edwards was also bad in that game. And I know that it's just one play in game, but the argument that I always had for the Lakers being successful, and I never really believed that they can make a deep run and maybe LeBron will make me look stupid this year. Like um, Steph made me look stupid last year. And I hope so, because it will be really, really fun if to have LeBron deep in the finals again. However, and I hate to keep harping on this one game, but the argument I had for the Lakers was LeBron's coasting. And at some point, LeBron can hit some switch. I wanted that switch. I wanted him to be the best player on the floor. AD was probably closer to the best player on the floor. But before Cat got in foul trouble, he was like the guy. I'm watching that game and thinking Carl Anthony Towns is the guy for this series. So your argument is a sound one for how the Lakers could win. Because the front, uh, the front court for the Grizzlies is injured and uh, I guess Triple J is always in foul trouble, which is something that 
The Lakers tend to get a lot of fouls and go to the line. So it's possible. But it's your point is the same one I have is it's going to take them several games in a row of top level AD, healthy AD and top level LeBron, because we have to remember that it's not as if they're going up against a team that's not good. Like the Grizzlies have playoff experience. They are talented. They're not going to be scared off no matter what everybody says about Shannon Sharp and how it's going to make them uncomfortable. They're fine. You're not going to come in and show and show up and be LeBron and intimidate this team. They got Bane. They got that weirdo. Oh my gosh. They have so many weirdos. Brooks. Yeah. I mean, although it would be incredible. Imagine, let me paint a picture for you. Dylan Dylan Brooks. Brooks walking out in the tunnel wearing the Shannon Sharp cardigan. <laughs> what, what exactly did you say about Steph? That, oh, yeah, yeah. So I just, trouble? Can you, you, you it, wasn't, it wasn't that I said it. It's that I did this also and said that he was going to win zero more championships for the rest of his <laughs> career and that he went on to win a championship the very next season. Can you try to reproduce that for LeBron? Oh, yeah, sure. you, if you're gonna if you're gonna get the king to dunk on you on Twitter, and he will, yeah, he will. In the way that Steph did, you got to create a similar. You got to make a similar. I feel like you can't I... just say something. It was yeah. the hand motion. Yeah, you're right. It. It that made put it easier. you over, over the edge. Can you call him washed, baby? <sighs> yeah, but I, there's no washed hand motion. What I, I got you. I got you. Yeah, make no, a, good, make a make a zero, okay. to the camera, mm-hmm. and then put it on your head like a crown. Ooh. Oh, we gotta, oh, okay, okay, we gotta so, save yeah, yeah. this for when I have a haircut, though, because I look terrible. I don't want LeBron mocking. Oh well, whatever. Dominique, you really think LeBron okay. can't pull out? Can't, you, you really are doubting that LeBron, LeBron James, the greatest to ever do it. You don't think he can pull this out against the Grizzlies? LeBron James has zero playoff series wins this season. And I'll put it on my head like a little crown because he is the so-called king, the washed king. How's that going to, that's going to, that's going to work out. Yeah, yeah, let's get that to LeBron. (laughs) We'll we'll clip that off and tag anyone associated with Clutch. Thank you, appreciate that. Good, Uh, well done. Let's move on. The washed thing was good too, though. I didn't dislike that. Yeah, I mean. Save that one for later. Yeah, we'll use this in the, like you wash your hands at the table. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I haven't been to Vegas in a while. I need For the to go podcast back. audience, Dominique is mimicking washing his hands. Mm. Thank you. Moist towelette. Um, let's move on to the other playing game. Um, and question going into Friday night's uh, Bulls versus Heat. What's more significant for the Bulls? DeMar DeRozan's presence or DR DeRozan's absence? <laughs> All right. So I imagine you know about this story by now, but DeMar DeRozan's daughter came to the uh, the Raptors game and shrieked, I guess is the word, during all their free throws and, like, actually had a substantial impact. We're going to assume that it was, it was her impact because... Particular game, if he steps the wrong way or something... Underrated they pass were doing a nice 50% job. from the line. The percent. When they're normally, like, 80%, right? They missed, really I think, 16, or no, gosh, with the Siakam ones, it was more than that. But I saw Kevin Pelton tweeted when they missed 13. He was like, this is more than they've missed the entire season. And they went on to miss several more, including the final two out of three from Pascal Siakam on a very dubious uh, call, by the way, that I think made the ending even more palatable. But yeah, I mean, okay, so my experience of watching this was you could kind of hear it in the beginning like and it was a shriek like an eager splitting and and i'm sure in person it was insanely loud on tv it kind of sounded like and you're like what is happening and 
they were missing and then people were complaining about it until someone realized it was his daughter and then everyone saw the daughter and she was so freaking cute that everyone decided <laughs> we liked it <laughs> and then it became abundantly clear that it was working yeah. and it was I mean, the difference in this game. This it question, was the difference in this game. The question seems ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous. <laughs> like, she actually had an impact. And from what I understand, last I heard, she's not going to their heat game. So, go ahead and chop it up. You're a parent. Yeah. He was like, oh, she can't miss school. Dominique, what yeah. would you do? Oh, yeah, she's coming to the game. I mean, it's, you can miss one day of school. You'll be all right. You had that impact. You come into the game. It's, it's fine. You come out there and... It gives you a home court advantage when you're on the road. Outstanding. Yeah, she got to come to the game. She can miss one day of school. How has a, a cute Another child never done this before, by the way? <laughs> How has this not been leveraged? And uh, can we all agree that if it was anyone but a cute child, this yeah. would have been incredibly divisive? Oh, yeah. Everyone would have been so upset if this was so a full-grown adult who, like, bought floor seat tickets and just was like, right before you're going to shoot. I do have a fun stat that I think you guys will like, and that's based on how effective DR DeRozan was at affecting true shooting percentage. She made their uh, the Bulls 7.87 points per 100 possessions better with her streaking, which makes her worth the Supermax this offseason if she could keep it up for an entire season. <laughs> According to Adam Morrison is the GOAT on Reddit. Um, Can you imagine what if, okay, like none of us assume that she will continue to have this impact, but what if she does for the rest of the season and then through next season? You got to hire her. You got to pay her. And then there's jobs for a bunch of nine-year-olds across the country. Everyone's going to add a, a shrieker to their <laughs> a bench. shrieker. A shrieker. The NBA is going to have to institute some kind of rule. Because um, this is the kind of thing where when one kid does it, it's cute. But then when it starts happening more often, there's yeah. inevitable backlash. There, there was a moment uh, near the end of the game when the Bulls were fouling. Patrick Beverly fouled. I think he had a couple of fouls in a row. And I saw this on Twitter. Somebody was like, God, is there any – there's no chance they're, like, trying to foul because they know <laughs> – and people were like, that's ridiculous. But somebody pointed out on Twitter, if there is a single player in the NBA oh, yeah. who might intentionally foul, knowing that the the shooter might be intimidated by a child, it is Patrick Beverly of all humans. That's the best. Uh, what's your takeaway from the news that Dan Snyder is selling the commanders? Oh, yes. So apparently they've come to terms with the deal with um... – Josh, what's his name? Josh. Josh Harris. Yeah, Josh the, Harris. His group. Yeah, Magic Johnson's in the group. Yeah, I mean, uh, and Daniel Snyder is making about a seven hundred percent return on his investment of what a punishment. Yeah, of eight hundred, or I guess it was about seven hundred million dollars, nineteen ninety nine. Now he's going to get uh, six billion. So um, before we get to all the Daniel Snyderness of it. It does feel nice here in the District of Columbia. Like people are kind of happy and not happy because they know the future will be better, but happy because at least that um, black mark is something that we can remove because it's it doesn't come with success. It just comes with the negativity. Like no one wants to go way out to Landover and deal with that for that bad stadium. And again, these are the minor issues with Daniel Snyder. I'll get those out of the way first. No one wants to go yeah. way out there for that. No one wants to watch this this team play. The only time there was a shred of excitement in this town was when RG3 was playing uh, in his rookie in second year. It's just been 
bad since I've been here. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good day for a lot of people before we get to all the other stuff. Um, obviously, unfortunately, Dan, although, I, you know, we can say, oh, it sucks. He's making all this money. But the dude didn't want to sell his team. Yeah. So I, I do think, you know, this is not. Yeah, he's rich. He was already rich. He's going to be rich forever, whatever. But he wanted he loved being an NFL owner. So yeah. this is a it is not his desired outcome. But, um, you know, for people who work for that team, both past, present, future, for the players, like how many times do you think players would watch like horrible stories and be like, oh, God, I really hope we're not like asked about this. Like, it's just it's just crappy. You remember the NFLPA put out that uh, their yeah. surveys of all the teams this year and shocker, the commanders were got an F because the players were unhappy because they surveyed the players about the conditions because it's it's not nice it's a it's a bad place to work it's like they had no faith that he was going to upgrade their facilities or treat them better so and then of course this brand base is you know as we kind of joked about at the top of the show celebrating i highly recommend people go check out the commander's subreddit if they want to see some excellent memes of celebration right now so and 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 finally it's the nfl and the other owners are probably stoked for obvious reasons one of which is the valuation right but also they don't have to answer for it anymore and that's where i'll pivot to this um not being over and i think the more serious side of this and potentially my takeaway dominique which is right now daniel snyder is under he's still facing federal investigation for financial impropriety and also the um allegations of workplace culture being awful and the assault and all of that um, but the NFL is doing a, a second investigation into him. My profound hope is that they don't use this as an excuse to not either finish that or release the findings, um, you know, because I think that would be a huge, huge mistake. And it would be one repeating a mistake that they've made plenty of times with not only this particular story, but stories like it, which is just the lack of transparency. Yeah, I, I just want to end on the one thing that you said about I think it's important to understand that while people are like saying this isn't much of a punishment for him, I think it's important to understand like it is because the money in his pocket isn't going to change his lifestyle. Like he was a billionaire before he was a billionaire in liquid. Like he could he was going doing all the things that he wanted to do before. The one thing that he had that made him better than the rest of the billionaires was this team. And to take this team from him and to take it from him in a way that is publicly embarrassing, that he can't show his face in uh, major cities without people knowing that he was the NFL owner who was forced out of the league. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of money. But like the point I'm making is having that money in cash doesn't change the life that he was living. But having this scarlet letter is something that I think does matter to him. And uh, to the degree that it's it's one of the few useful threats and punishments that we have for people who have this much power and influence is like shame, which I know is sad, but most of the time can buy their way out of most of those yeah. issues. So that's something. What if they built a Daniel Snyder statue just Ooh. so that it could be airlifted dramatically? <sighs> I like that. Just sip on here. I feel like we should shift from statues being a source of celebration to statues being a source of shame. Like in general, yes. we should start putting up statues of people who are terrible so that other people can go and throw things at it and do stuff like that and remind you, let's never forget 
they were crappy. They don't even have to spend a lot of money. Just go to the team store like they did with Sean Taylor and grab a mannequin That's and the- put a Daniel put like a suit on it and those oh, su- you know gosh. he always wears like the sunglasses with the windbreaker and put it outside and then let people go to town. That's like the craziest thing is like yes, he has big terrible things around him. But he has so many small stupid decisions yeah, yeah. like the Sean Taylor uh uh, celebration in front of a porter potty like that just just such a terrible terrible team yeah and then the name like we didn't even talk about the name situation how he was fighting to keep a racist name because he grew up with it's, it it's hard to we because when the news broke around nfl live and i was like hmm it's not it's very unusual that a guy is so terrible that you really can only do a greatest hits of his worst misdeeds like i was looking at the list now i was like which of these like 300 things yeah. should i focus on because like yeah like the name now it's like oh god are we gonna bring this up because it is terrible or this is awful and he Who was does sports center on fridays they should do a not top 10. i guess that was, <laughs> <laughs> they should do a not top 10 farewell to daniel snyder oh gosh anyways all right farewell Snyder. Give us an X for this box. It feels appropriate. Oh, I said an X, but whatever. You can't even follow simple instructions. What's next? Oh, we're done. Mina, thank you for joining me. You're the best. Um, We should do this more often now that Pablo is resting in peace somewhere else in the world. We're going to bring in my good buddy, Wozni Lambray, to talk about basketball. As promised, Wozni Lambry is here, ready to get deep into basketball. I, I like having Mina here because I can be the one who, who has watched a little bit more basketball and knows a little bit more. So now I have to be honest about my true basketball takes. So I'll let you go first. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to start with the Pelicans here because... Uh, they lost the playing game because their best player didn't play. He was on the court doing windmills before the game in a sweatsuit, but not playing. And this dude has played 114 games in four years. He is a transcendent talent when he plays, but he does not play basketball. So should the Pelicans think about trading Zion this offseason? Wozni, what do you think? I mean, I'm always of the opinion that anybody should be thought of as being tradable. Like, outside of the very, very best guys, like, unless you have Embiid, Giannis, you know, the the actual true number one difference makers who actually show up for you every single time and make a difference for your franchise, yeah, those guys are off the table. But somebody like Zion, who's barely ever on the court and has literally accomplished absolutely nothing ever for your franchise, if you could actually get value you know like what am i trading for if if the celtics you know let's just say the celtics was like i don't know if this jalen brown thing is working out so much i think about doing that i I think zion when he plays is way better than jalen brown but jalen brown is a all-star caliber player he's at um an extremely valuable position of need and if you wanted to move him sometime down the road you could get stuff for him quite easily i think you always consider it i don't know that the pelicans necessarily should do it but this idea that zion is just oh we could never consider trading zion why would that be the case dominique why would you say that i mean i didn't say it you put words in my mouth but i was (laughs) gonna say it i I mean i don't so (laughs) the reason why is because the reason why you would trade zion 
is to get somebody else like Zion. It reminds me a lot of the Lamar Jackson conversation where it's like, but what if he gets hurt or what if he doesn't pan out? Well, it's the risk you have to take. So you're looking at, I hate to get statistics on it, but you're looking at probability. What is the probability that Zion can be healthy and be uh, like MVP caliber talent? We already know he's capable of being MVP caliber player. The probability of him staying healthy and being that player for an extended period of time, I don't know what those numbers are. It's hard to assess, especially when he has hamstring injuries that apparently end his season, which seems so ridiculously unlikely. But then you're asking, can I get somebody back that is as good as him through the draft? Highly unlikely. Or through a trade? Also highly unlikely. But I get the point. You might get stuck with just a dud of a player, which right now it feels like what you have is just a whole lot of potential. And I guess the, having that is the same as having a draft pick. But when you see him play, it's just so good. I don't, I don't know. I'd rather go down with Zion's career never quite panning out and him being a bump on my roster than go down with me trading potential future MVP-level talent to somewhere else and watch him do that there. That's just the way I look at it, especially when you're that franchise who who had AD and couldn't keep him happy enough to stay there and be the player that he's, I guess, become on and off. He has injury concerns too, obviously. Yeah, to be clear, I was just throwing out Jalen Brown to say an example. To me, you can't trade Zion for anything less than an obviously all-NBA caliber player back. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, there's no reason to be like, oh, let's play the draft pick game. Or, yeah. oh, let's take a flyer on a young guy who's showing flashes. No. A person who is – yesterday I was like, if Jimmy Butler, say, were, were about two to three years younger, I'd do that in a heartbeat. A Jimmy Butler guy who in every single playoff series is clearly a number one, clearly a difference maker. We've seen him take teams to the finals, you know, give much better teams, much more talent-laden rosters, run for their money in the case of Boston and conference finals. Like, if you could tell me I could get an all-NBA kind of guy, yeah. yes, I would but absolutely consider I it. I guess the, that, it, no, hell no. The interesting part of that question is if you're on the other side, and somebody called me to offer me Zion Williamson, I sums up. Y'all did a physical, a secret physical. You know more than I know. Because if you are offering me that guy for a player who is definitely less than Zion or less than Zion's top end, Zion is like he appears to us as the centerpiece of a championship team. There aren't a lot of guys like that. Like he has the talent to be that player. If you call me and you offer me him, I hell no. I'm giving you some draft picks. I'm not giving you a guy that's solid. I don't I don't know the roster. I guess if you have some like uh duplication on your roster, maybe you could do it. Like I guess Halliburton and, and De'Aaron Fox, which they're no neither of them are on that level, but that's a trade that I'm thinking of where like at the time I thought it was dumb, but it made sense because they needed Sabonis on the inside. There aren't many rosters out there that have two all NBA, and I guess that's why you brought up the Celtics, because they have duplication at that position, but that's a position where duplication is all right. Yes. <laughs> when you have like it's, switchable two-way wings, you can't, if you could build a roster of all duplic duplicative two-way wings, then you have a good roster. So I don't know. I just don't see it as a potential either side because I'm not taking him. I'm not. So here's the thing too that I think folks need to recognize because these players don't exist in a vacuum. Right? It's not just Zion and his talent and what he might potentially bring to a team. Look, I I, I don't want to get too speculative out there, right? But 
if you have done any digging on, you know, some of the circumstances that uh, surrounded Zion's, let's just say the his agency switch up at the last minute when he first came into the league. Uh, there's, there's some weirdness around that. I think if you talk to people who have some familiarity with, um, you know, what's going on as far as who are the people who wield some level of influence right. um, and input into how he's managing his career? Let's just say these people don't know how to run an NBA career the best. Let's just say that. I'm not saying these people don't care about Zion as a human being and all of that. I don't know that he's gotten the best professional advice. And so when you th- that's the, these are the kind of things you got to think about when you allocate resources to right. a guy and say, yo... We're going to put the fate of our franchise um, into this dude. I, I don't know that his off-the-court habits are necessarily the best. Uh, his injuries is like all of this stuff that you want um, a laser-focused guy in an ideal world to be managing. I don't know that that's necessarily the case going on around Zion. That's a good point. When you are marrying an NBA superstar, you are marrying the entire family. And the NBA is unique in that the top player on your team has a ridiculous amount of power and influence, especially if you mortgage your future or trade away whatever stars you have. What they want is is what you're going to have to go with. And if you sign it over to a guy who's being led in a direction that you can't trust, and you're not just it's not a fantasy football or fantasy basketball. It ain't 2K. You can't just draft a guy's attributes and put him on the team and hope he act right. What's up, Alabaster? Speaking of NBA 2K, can I propose a trade or a trade oh, destination gosh. for him? <laughs> that's All right. right. <laughs> well, okay. There, there's a team that's in the plan right now that has a first-round pick this year for the next year. Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddy. Why shouldn't the OK, OKC Thunder – consolidate some of those assets and make an offer for a superstar play to put Zion Williamson with SGA and maybe keep some of those other pieces. I mean, I think that's the exact scenario that OKC is looking for. Uh, the, the draft, I think the draft after this next one, they have four first-round picks. Like, this team has a lot of young talent. They, they, like, they can't draft four guys and put it on uh-huh. this current roster. It, like, it just doesn't make any type of sense so these are the kinds of trades that they're looking to make uh to bring in a very high level talent that they otherwise would not be able to acquire you know um in free agency or by any other means and so yeah this is the exact type of thing that they've positioned themselves to execute on uh i i just don't think griff being griff is ever going to put zion on the trade block honestly yeah i mean i I wouldn't take that trade, though. You're talking about draft picks and you keep an SDA. I'm good on them draft picks. And if you're trying to take SDA, I'm good on that. Like, I just don't know where this deal makes sense. I I don't want all these lottery tickets that you got. Okay, see, you got to do that because don't nobody want to be there. And then, of course, if you do make that trade, you can't guarantee that Zion is going to stay in OKC. The way that OKC has to build their team is through the draft because you got them boys locked up for a good stretch there. You don't, you're not, you don't have the same situation when you trade for a superstar and bring them over there. So I guess you'd have to get Zion on board with it. But either way, if I'm the Pelicans, I don't want all your draft trash. And if I'm uh, the Thunder, I'm not giving you our best player. So 
what do we have there? No deal. Yeah, I, I just think honestly, the guy just he literally just signed his extension. There will be plenty of opportunities. Um, over the life cycle of this extension to move this dude. There's just absolutely no reason to do this um, anytime soon, especially not just because, you know, he didn't want to come back into playoff basketball coming off of a muscle injury. I think the nature of the injury matters here, right? This isn't some ACL repair. This isn't like, oh, he hurt his elbow or his wrist and he got the surgery and he's coming back, these muscle injuries sort of linger, you know, like there's no real way to heal this thing besides not playing, resting up and hoping that when you come back, uh, you, you that you're right, you know, and the idea with no ramp up that the guy would come back and, and play in these high intensity games. You guys have watched the freaking play and these people yeah. are killing themselves out there. You know, the, the idea coming off of this particular kind of injury, uh, in that in that environment, I, I'm not really mad at him, and I don't think this warrants like you know screw this dude. He's not dedicated to playing, so therefore we moved. We, we should move him. CJ McCollum's double whammy of the disclosing a secret secret injury and throwing a teammate under the bus. That was LeBron level right there. That was just a that was just a beautiful oh pirouette he landed in his closing press conference. That notwithstanding. I don't know that we should be too, you know, pissed off at Zion right now. It's a long time and not a lot of basketball and no, like, serious injuries. It's real hard. It's real hard. I'm with you. I want to defend my guy, but I also, I want to see him play basketball and be yeah. as good as we know he is. So, whatever. All right. What's next, right. Alabaster? We are going to go to what I think is probably going to be the most fun watch in the first round. But Vegas does not agree. And so the question, is Vegas disrespecting the Kings by having the Warriors as minus 290 favorites to beat them in the first round, the sixth seed over the three seed? Minus 290. So that means you bet $100, you get 290. That's what that means, right? Other way. You bet 290 to win 100 if you're betting on the Warriors. Oh, yeah. That's right. That sounds about right to me. What do you think, Wozniak? I mean, it's not disrespect. Uh, one, we know the Warriors are a very public team. They're probably definitely the most popular team in the NBA. That's a one. They've got an insane amount of championship equity all up and down their roster. They won the championship last season, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they have Steph Curry. One of the 10 best basketball players anybody's ever seen. And their opponent, it's not like these dudes were juggernauts this season, right? If we're talking about a team with some insane point differential who blew the doors off of everybody that they played this season and, you know, like, oh, this it's obvious the math is telling us that they're dominant. This is not a dominant team. They're a good team. They um, have one of the best offenses we've ever seen. I know they're, you know, they're freaking uh, – Offensive rating broke records, but come on, we got to take that with a grain of salt in today's NBA. Uh, I don't think this is disrespectful. Yeah. Um, I do think they're going to give the Warriors a great series. I don't think the Warriors are going to roll these dudes by any stretch. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing went, you know, seven games, for instance. But I think when you think about this, isn't some very dominant team, and they're very young, right? Uh, just think about Memphis last year. How many times they could have blown that series? against the freaking wolves of all people, 
right? This is just yeah. what young guys do. Right. Uh, and nobody thinks this Sacramento team is somehow better or even as good as what Memphis brought into the season, I mean, uh, postseason last year. So, no, I'm not surprised by all of that when you think about the, you know, the actual context of this. Yeah, I mean, unless you think the Warriors are old or broken or something, I, I think that's about the right line. What it comes down to, I agree with you. I think the the Kings are going to keep the games close sheer, surely because they're able to score a lot of points. Uh, they're not going to stop anybody, which is going to be a problem. But the Warriors are pretty good at defense, too. And they make adjustments, and they've been through this all before. So I think, uh, like, the experience points goes to the Warriors. But what it comes down to for me, as it often does in the playoffs, is who has the guy at the end of the game that we don't got to call nothing for, and you can clear out, and he can take care of things. As good as DeMontis Sabonis is, that guy is De'Aaron Fox for Sacramento. That guy on the other side, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson. I feel a lot more comfortable with those guys in that situation. I mean, even I've been like really heavily opposed to Jordan Poole as an overall asset to a team, but even Jordan Poole, his shooting ability makes him someone who is dangerous at the end of games in a way that De'Aaron Fox is athletic and has been like surprisingly consistent in the mid-range this year he's explosive when those mid-range are not dropping people sag off of him and his explosion isn't as valuable and he's leading the league in clutch points so it's not like he can't score at the end of the game but how is he going to do that against this Warriors defense at the end of games I don't believe he's going to be able to what's up I just want to point out really quickly that Jordan Poole shot worse from three this year than Russell Westbrook that's it wow (laughs) Jordan Poole is just living off a of reputation. Even me, who's, who's negative on Jordan Poole, fell into the trap of thinking that he's better than he is. He stinks on defense and he can't shoot. Yeah. I'm sorry I take back any compliments I made about Jordan the, Poole. The, the pool party has not been as enjoyable this year. Well uh, I think people, a lot of people have soured on him this year after the contract, um, the one-sidedness of his game. Uh, it's interesting, but I think he's going to play a vital role for this team in the playoffs. He didn't last year. Like, I, I soured on him last year when they couldn't play him at the end of games because he couldn't stop nobody. Like, <laughs> it's because he light skin and can shoot a little bit. He ain't Steph Curry. <laughs> like, stop it. That's what happened. It's like how people act like Austin Reeves is the same as Caruso. They're not the same player they at all. They don't they just play white and, the, and wore that's yellow. That's it. That's it. Austin Reeves is is so much more offensive-minded than Caruso is, and Caruso is freaking Scottie Pippen on defense. So y'all like that cross-racial comparison? It's going to be hard for them to digest mentally, though, but give them a second. (laughs) They can work on it. I mean, non-zero chance we see Caruso date uh, Larsa Pippen at some point. Lord have mercy. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Jesus. Austin Reeves said he don't never want to leave L.A. And I was I saw that tweet pop up and looked at his face and was like, man, he probably having him a time in Los Angeles. That's right. A time. Yeah. I can confirm not that I would personally know, but from the things that I understand, it's it's nice to be rich, young and famous in the city of Los Angeles. It's a good Good for it's you, good Austin. for you. Live it up, to baby. Be all Live it up. All right, let's uh, pivot to the East uh, because that's where the two juggernauts are seeming juggernauts in this postseason are. And I think a lot of people have, have fallen wow, back. Wow, Sixers on the... disrespect. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's right. 
Well, Holy moly, this guy is uh, disrespect no of the, the MVP. The impending MVP. Yeah. Wow. When, he make, when he makes out of the second round, I'll reassess. I'll reassess. But until then, who do you trust more, the Bucks or the Celtics? I like the Celtics, and I know Wozniak's going to say the Bucks because he's like everybody else. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm Celtics. I, I picked the Celtics before the season started to make it back to the finals. I still think they have the best roster top to bottom. I think Brogdon gives them is a huge boon to what they yeah. do. Just as having one more guy that can puncture the defense when teams are throwing the kitchen sink at Tatum and Brown. Um, and, you know, I, I just think the Bucks offense every single playoffs, man. People just people just tend to forget how nasty they can look. <laughs> <laughs> offensively in the half court uh, where it just bogs down and, and teams just gum up the works and Giannis is, you know, he's running into triple teams and just brick after brick from outside and then every now and again Drew Holiday is losing his his skull and he's taking these horrible yeah. shots and he's turning the, the rock over trying to get into the lane. I, I, like people always forget about the Bucks' offense. Yes, their defense is is, is next level. Right. They're going to smother people on defense this postseason. It's going to be beautiful to watch. But as beautiful as their defense is, their offense might be twice as ugly. Yeah, and they have the Middleton health issues that mm -hmm. seem this year. I mean, that sank their season last year in the postseason. And it seems like it's been a problem for much of this year. And I think the, the versatility of the Celtics, I guess the one drawback for the Celtics, they're surprisingly dependent on the three-point shot this year. I think mm -hmm. Joe Mazzulla's big impact has been – uh, pushing them to the three-point line and also not calling timeouts. And I think the those are like valid criticisms of them and that Joe Mazzula is not an experienced coach, coach, not in these settings, not in any setting, frankly, and hasn't shown like that game management uh, proclivity that you want to see out of top-level coaches. So those are the big question marks for them. But I think we've already seen them make it to the finals and – Coaching matters in basketball, but having better players seems to matter more. Uh, and it seems like this team has better players. And your point about Brogdon is huge because that was the big or one of the big takeaways from last year against the Warriors was once Tatum ain't have it going, they gave it to Jalen Brown to be a ball handler. And that ain't really what he bought. Yeah, and Tatum, you know, but to be honest, Jalen Brown was better than him in the finals. Tatum yeah. didn't have a great uh it seemed like he ran finals. out of gas or something. Yeah, that's what it felt like for sure. And, you know, there was just moments where they needed more than than what uh Brown and Tatum could give them. And I think, you know, like I said, Brogdon is is practiced in being a sort of number two sort of guy um creating offense for himself and others and to be clear it's not like there's some head and shoulders that better than the bucks they're not uh these teams will be very evenly matched when they inevitably play in the eastern conference finals i just give the celtics a slight edge um, the sixers disrespect inevitably play in the conference yeah, finals yeah, so yeah. you don't respect them yeah. either okay the, the sixers i mean come on james harden they're gonna they're gonna be relying on james harden to do his nasty flopping flower drawing because let's face it he's not somebody who can break people down one-on-one -on -one without a screen in isolation anymore and the answer to james harden is switch everything you're not gonna dribble past anybody you're gonna shoot them horrible ugly Setbacks, and that's going to be your offense. Joel is going to Joel. Joel is going to be great. Right. You know, I truly believe that. I, I think he's going to have a great playoffs. He's 
the first, second, third best player in the NBA right now. I really do believe he's he, he is that type of player. I just think, you know, offensively around him, uh, you can't trust Tobias Harris to do anything but shoot, you know, corner threes probably seven times a game. Uh, I, as much as I love Maxie, he's still a really young guy. You can't expect him to carry too much of a burden offensively. He's a target on defense, as is James Harden. Um, and, and then there's Doc Rivers, who I, I don't think that's anybody's idea of some incredible tactician, uh-huh. game manager, adjustment maker. I, I just don't, I just think they have a lot of flaws in the postseason yeah. um, specifically. Too bad Pablo's not here to defend his beloved Sixers. <laughs> I'll call him after the show and make fun of him because they. I, I don't think I don't think there's anybody left on the process yeah. uh, situation. He, it, it he can't leave. He is the process. Yeah, he can't leave it. Everyone else jumped off, but. He can. It is who he is. All right. Now, we did all that other show just to get to this one, I believe. That's right. Um, so, last last topic. Did anyone win the online beef between Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma? <laughs> well, I mean, I honestly, I got to give it to Kyle Kuzma because he had the only line that was worth remembering. As <laughs> he called that man Din. <laughs> but I also think that how could he not take it as right there? It's like Spencer Ben. <laughs> like that was that would be so much better than Din. But he had the line, so I, I give him the win, I guess. And I guess I should explain the whole beef, but I don't feel like it. I, like it, the, the reports out of DC when Dinwiddie left, um, it was kind of immediate, like that, like those dudes did not take too much of a liking to him or the experience of playing with him. It, uh, you know, Kuzma was not on an island um, in right. that regard. Uh, those guys didn't like him. And the reason why I got to take Kuzma's side here is that he played on a championship team. Yeah. And he played winning basketball on that team. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma, his rookie year, averaged like 20 points a game. You know, LeBron and AD, and they get all of these veteran guys in there, and he completely transformed his game. He moves off the ball. He became an incredible off-ball cutter, incredible transition guy, guarding the best wings, sometimes guarding up, guarding fours. Um, he just became an incredible role-playing dude, a winning championship type of player. Carl Kuzma's a lunch pail guy on the floor, plays extremely hard. He rebounds. He'll crash the offensive boards. Like, everything you want from a role player Kuzma does, and at times in D.C., since they needed him to, since Bradley Beal is, you know, let's face it, not worth all the damn money they paying him, um, Kuzma had to do it, and he's done it. He switched roles um, every single place that he's gone. So I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, Dinwiddie's uh, sort of, you know, criticisms about this guy being Hollywood and not dedicated to founded. This dude completely hey. turned his game around on a championship-level team. And also, Dinwiddie, I think, is a good player, but seems to think that he's a better player than he actually is. Like, where he felt he he could fall on the hierarchy of a championship team, I think he said he was somewhat like Drew Holiday. Like, nah, that ain't you, fella. But he did he did land one good shot. He called Kuzma a socialite. That was funny. Good that was shot. great. That was a good shot. That was so, great because it's true. Yeah, I, and I think that most people probably – I guess it depends on your roster, but I think you laid out all the reasons why Kuzma is probably a more useful player and a more sought-after player than Spencer Dinwiddie because the, the role that Spencer Dinwiddie plays is like 
a lower value, I think, for what he pr- produces versus Kyle Kuzma. So Kuzma won, won on the jokes and he wins on the court. But I guess Dan Whitty's in the playoffs. That's a thing that he said, like, where. I mean, look, I'll say this about Dinwiddie. Uh, You know, he left Dallas, um, you know, with the idea being that they got some supreme upgrade in Kyrie at his position, in his role. And and I would not deny that Kyrie is better than him, but it's not as if it makes a huge difference, right? Like, Dinwiddie's a really good player. I think he's a really useful guy. Uh, I I just think the, the, the criticisms that he levied on Kuzma are are um, unwarranted. Kuzma's a, a Flintstone, blue-collar guy. I get it. He's pretty. I get it. He wears weird clothes. I get it. He's dating models and, and that kind of thing. But uh, to, to question his professionalism is, is beyond the pale, Dominique. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm in defense. I, I, I'm not coming down on anybody who is uh, capitalizing on their position in life. Shall we say, once upon a time, I may have done the same thing on a much smaller <laughs> scale in tiny, <laughs> tiny Denver, Colorado. So shout out, Coos. Do your thing, brother. <laughs> we did it. Alabaster, we're done. Those days are well behind me, though. But Wozni, you probably be in L.A. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out the game, man. I'm, I'm retired. I, I retired the jersey as of uh, six months ago or so. Wow, congratulations. Um, but yes, while while I was a player, uh yeah, we we played hard. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you.